Welcome to the Geektastic Dad podcast. My name is Jason. I'm your friendly neighborhood geek and father of a daughter. So in this episode, I'm going to talk a little bit about Star Trek Picard. Actually, a lot of bit about Star Trek Picard. I'll try to summarize season one and then give you my thoughts on the first couple of episodes of season two. So this should be exciting. Now, if you'd like to visit me on social media or send me an email, point your favorite web browser to geektastic.link slash contact. You can support my podcast by going to geektastic.link slash support. If you'd like to leave me a voice message and possibly have it played on the podcast, with your permission, of course, visit geektastic.link slash voicemail. All of these links can be found in the show notes. I urge you to like and subscribe to my podcast on your favorite app, whether it be iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcast, whatever. Uh, thank you for joining me. Now let's get started. Thank you again for joining me. So Star Trek Picard Season 2 has started. Uh, I'm going to dedicate this podcast to discussing some of my thoughts on Season 2 so far. However, before I jump into that, I feel like I should summarize, or at least try to summarize Season 1 uh, before we get into it. So the year for Season 1, the year is 2399, and we start uh, Season 1 with Jean-Luc Picard, a retired Starfleet admiral, living out the sunset of his life at his family's chateau in France. We find out that Picard is terminally ill, though he refuses to accept it. Uh, he's kept company by a pit bull named Number One, uh, and a staff loyal of staff of loyal Romulans who really seem to be more like family to him in many ways. So Romulus, at this point, Romulus was destroyed 14 years prior to this period uh, due to a supernova, and Picard led a mission to save the people of Romulus after fighting with the Federation to get the mission approved. However. The mission was eventually abandoned shortly after um, Mars was attacked by a group of synthetic life forms called synths, which resulted in a ban on all synthetic life forms, including Data. So there's a young girl named Daj. Uh, she basically lands on Picard's doorstep after an attempt on her life, awakens some sort of strange things in her, and she's, she, she and Picard have never met, but she sees visions of him. So Picard tries to protect her, um, throughout the, the season. But D Dodge really eventually ends up dying because assassins catch up to her and kill her. Now, Picard discovers that these assassins are the Zatvash, a secret Romulan organization that was driven to rid the world of all synths. So yes, Dodge ends up being a synth, but she was completely unaware of it. So Picard believes that Data may have created a daughter, uh, so he seeks out this Dr. Agnes Girardi who confirms there is a procedure that allows synth synthetics or synths to reproduce, but it always results in twins. So, of course, Picard goes on this mission to find Dodge's sister, puts together a rather unlikely crew, including his former first office officer, Rafi uh, Musiker, uh, who, a pilot named Chris Rios, who basically lets Picard commission him and his ship, the Las Serena, so, and then Dr. Girardi herself uh, goes on this mission. She convinces him to take her with her. So they pick up this young Romulan refugee named Elnor on the way to visit Bruce Maddox, who ends up being um, Daja's creator. So Elnor was raised by a group of warrior nuns called uh, Quowat Malat. 
there. Uh, he's super badass. Like he's he's so cool. So along the way, they run into Seven of Nine, which is fun. It's a fun kickback. She looks great. Uh, they rescue Maddox, and they discover that Dodge does, in fact, have a twin sister named Soji, who is working on this abandoned Borg cube they're calling the Artifact. And at this point, the Borg are all but decimated. So there's a lot going on during Season 1, including Seven of Nine flying a Borg cube. Picard has a final encounter with Data, and they encounter an entire community of synths. Now, Maddox does eventually get killed, uh, and eventually Picard's illness starts to take him as well, and they manage to transfer his consciousness into a synthetic body when he dies. So the Federation finally lifts its ban on synthetic life forms, and Picard is reunited with this crew. So there is so much more going on in Season 1. I tried to get the highlights, but tried to keep it as brief as well. So uh, there's some circumstance about the storyline and decisions that were made in Season 1 that kind of... Uh, spawned some criticism from fans, but overall, I personally thought it was very entertaining. All right, so now moving on to season two. So fair warning, there will be spoilers in this part of the podcast, so if you are not caught up with Star Trek Picard season two, proceed at your own risk. You've been warned. So season two takes us several months after the events that concluded season one. Picard has a new body to live out the rest of his life, and he's managed to find some harmony between his life in the Chateau and a renewed career at Starfleet. However, Picard can never really exist in harmony. We all know that. And he's struggling with his decision to live a life of isolation and tussling with some childhood traumas that we get to witness. So we also see that his mother was really the driving force in his decision to join Starfleet and reach for the stars. And in fact, there appears to be a theme of look up, which we'll talk about in a minute, uh, which references a memory from his childhood when his mother would say that to him. So again, we'll talk about that in a minute. So starting with episode one. So episode one gets started with a bang. Like it immediately opens with the crew of the Stargazer in this red alert situation. The bridge is under attack. Chaos is everywhere. Picard is on the bridge and you hear that the bridge controls are being transferred. And the last thing you hear before the opening credits is Picard enabling auto-destruct and then a very Borg-like voice saying, Picard. So then we're taken to Picard's chateau, and people are working. They're happy, including Picard. Uh, Picard and Laris uh, at the evening toast to Zaban. Uh, then Laris and Picard have this moment, and it's clear that Laris is in love with Picard. And I think I think the feeling's mutual there. But Laris poses an interesting question for Picard, asking him that you know, going to the stars is he seeking or running? And it's it's kind of a profound question that may be relevant to all of us in some way. But it, this encounter triggers the first Jean-Luc flashback. Uh, as a boy, he's running through the house and finds himself in what appears to be this kind of like an outlook or a greenhouse of some kind, uh, overgrown with vines and whatnot. For the first time, we see Picard's mother, and it, it moves between present and past during this scenario. But we see how compassionate his mother is and how much she loves Picard. You can tell that she just really loves her son and wants to create a special place with him. And I'm sure she loves all of her children or both of her children, but she has a special bond with him. And then he asks her um, after she says, you know, let's make this our special place. Will you fight less here? And then we see a darkness in Picard's past. We see like this violence and anger flash. And then his mother tells him to look up at the stars. And look up becomes kind of a theme for this episode, maybe even the season, who knows. Then the focus moves to like this special anomaly detected by the USS Avalon. And the anomaly is, of course, Borg Green. 
So much like season one, the focus moves around quite a bit, giving you hints of things here and there, and then sort of kind of like comes together as it as it goes. So um, Picard is ends up speaking at Starfleet Command. We're going back to the you know Chateau or France, uh, and he posed posits a question: uh, Is space really the final frontier? And he he suggests that maybe time is the really the final frontier, and it's sort of allegorical in a sense that you know we don't get second chances in time. And the you know second chance becomes another sort of theme in this. But uh, Elnor is now a Starfleet candidate, and in fact the first Romulan candidate even. And during Picard's speech, he reaches back to the look-up theme, but he puts a, this positive spin on it when it was clear that his mother was using this as a way for Picard to distract himself from the pain of whatever abuse was going on in his house. Um, so we get some back and forth here. Seven of Nine ends up piloting La Serena, um, Rios's old ship, and she observes the anomaly. Then we cut to kind of Soji and Agnes at a ball, and Rios ends up picking up Agnes, and they head out to investigate the anomaly. Uh, Elnor is assigned to Excelsior. That's kind of a hinted in there. That uh, comes in later. But Rios is the captain of the Stargazer, and they go to investigate this anomaly finally, meeting up with Seven of Nine. Um, and they receive a message in a union of languages, and they decode it, and it says, Help us, Picard. Which, of course, drives them to summon Picard to the anomaly, but not before he pays a visit to Guinan, played, of course, by Whoopi Goldberg. As a means to explain her appearance, Guinan tells Picard that the Elarians can choose to age faster. It was a means to explain the difference of, a, of appearance, uh, but in my opinion was unnecessary and kind of created a weak plot point. But that's just my opinion. However, because Guinan is super perceptive, she picks up on Picard's romantic issues and they have a chat about it. And this is a great reunion from the next generation. There's not really much significance here, at least not yet, other than putting more focus on Picard's painful childhood. So that may play in later. Um, just a quick note. I have an article in the show notes for about Elarians as a race. They're, they're kind of fascinating. Uh, very interesting. All right. We get more insight into information coming through the anomaly and outside of saying, help us Picard's, it sent the entirety of Article 15, which is a legal document used by non-Federation parties to make a request to join the Federation. So basically, so far we have a Borg green anomaly using many voices as one, summoning Picard and requesting to join the Federation. I mean, what, what could possibly go wrong at this point, right? Of course, Picard arrives on the Stargazer and meets up with Seven. And we find out that this next iteration of Stargazer is a new class of starships that integrates Borg technology. Great, right? This is great. <laughs> so everything's pointing to the Borg, and we have a ship that now has Borg technology. So, of course, Picard reaches out to the anomaly, and when this is when things start to go, well, wrong. Uh, energy spikes start to happen, and a voice says Picard. Uh, multiple voice. It's like a union of voices says, says Picard and a gigantic ship emerges from the anomaly, a Borg ship, of course, but not like a Q before. This is a far more advanced version of it. And of course, they call in reinforcements, including Excelsior, which had Captain Raffi and Elnor on board. So basically, we've got the whole band together. We have Picard, Seven, Agnes, Elnor, Raffi, Rios, basically the key people from season one, which is great. They're all together. The Borg begins to force negotiations with Picard. Uh, by sending an emissary, beaming it, forcibly beaming it, a uh, Borg Queen, onto the bridge of the Stargazer. And again, looks nothing like anything we've ever seen before. And now the episode starts to circle back to where it started. 
They wish to negotiate for peace, but demand power, and the Borg Queen starts to take over the ship and the entire fleet. Then things start to get weird. The song Je ne regret ne rien, I, I said that right, it's French, but it means I regret nothing, by Edith Piaf starts to play. And I don't know, can Picard hear it? Can the crew hear it? Is it just for us, the audience? The computer starts to count down the self-destruct and kind of goes into the back end, uh, background, and the board queen says, Picard, look up, just before everything explodes. Then we find Picard back in his chateau in that special room from his mother looking up at the shattered upon shattered glass, and he enters into the house, and it's very quiet. Nobody's there, and things are much different. He goes in such a search of Laris, but he only finds this android named Harvey. And then, of course... Q enters. Uh, we love Q. Q takes him way back to his days in Captain uh, when he tells him, when he tells Picard, remember when I said the trial never ends. Then says something peculiar. Q says, welcome to the very end of the road not taken. Now, this is, this is very bizarre. It's almost like he's in this alternate reality now, and things are much different. The house looks different. Loris is nowhere to be found. Harvey's there instead. And... Uh, Q is making this inference that maybe maybe he's going down a road that never existed now that or maybe shouldn't have existed and now we're reaching the end of it. It's it's very open ended but kind of a fun little thing to think about. Now I have I have my own personal theory and I haven't read about any theories yet but this is my personal theory. I think the bored queen ends up being Picard's mother. Now, that's just my theory. I have, don't really have anything to substantiate that with, except when the Borg Queen says, Picard, look up, the Borg sound kind of diminishes, and it almost sounds like his mother to me, but that's just me. Um, but that's episode one in a nutshell. Uh, definitely go watch it if you haven't yet. Um, hopefully I haven't spoiled too much if you haven't, but you were warned. I was, I was very clear about my intentions for this podcast. All right, so moving on to episode two. Okay, so episode two starts with a peculiar view of Earth, but Earth is much different now. There's some kind of shield grid that surrounds the entire planet. The planet looks dingy and dirty as well. You also hear like sirens and phaser blasts in the background as it kind of zooms into Earth. So then we're back at Picard, or back with Picard and Q at the Chateau, but obviously still in this alternate universe. Now, I love Q. And I think every episode he's been in has been one of my favorites, including Star Trek Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, <clears throat> his Voyager appearances. Uh, he was even in Lower Decks once, I think. But that being said, there's something very different about Q this time. There almost seems to be this burden he's carrying, and it's like he's actually on some kind of a mission, not just entertaining himself or punishing humans. There's, there's an interesting exchange, so Picard wants to, Cut to the chase. And Q says, the chase is cut, the chase is bleeding, and the chase is dying. And I am but a suture in the wound. It's weird how it's almost like something has gone horribly wrong, and Q is trying to hold it together um, at some point, and, and is just barely doing so. And now, Q has always been the supremely powerful and advanced being, but it almost feels like there's an urgency that Q needs Picard to do something that he himself, that Q cannot do the encounter shifts when picard says q you are not well you know like he's noticing q's got a problem um so he, almost like he, he sees that q is haunted by something 
or, or insane. I don't know. They moved to a, to the field where before there was this bustling happiness. Um, it looks barren now. For the first time that I can remember, Q strikes Picard physically, drawing blood. He actually hits him. Then Q tells Picard that this is not a lesson. It's a penance. And then that song plays again, that Je ne regrette rien. It starts to play again before explaining before he started explaining that humans didn't save the planet in this universe, that they just found a way to contain the destruction, or basically, as Q says it, put the corpse on life support. We find that Earth is now this dystopian disaster, the whole galaxy is a dystopian disaster, and that non-human aliens are either slaves or they're just murdered and eradicated, and Picard is the man who drove this world of violence. Q shows Picard a trophy room that the evil Picard, we'll call it, his counterpart before he got beamed into his body. Uh, he had these skulls of alien victims everywhere and weapons of all sorts on the wall. Then Q gives Picard a choice. Stay in this awful version of the galaxy or seek atonement and even forgiveness. Now Picard asks for what and Q just says, I think you know. And there's this moment of recognition on Picard's face before he just absolutely refuses to do anything Q says and Q departs. He leaves. So Picard watches himself tell the world in this like hologram that a, gal a safe galaxy is a human galaxy. So now Earth is this like xenophobic authoritarian regime seeking to make other alien species extinct. And it becomes clearer when Picard finds out it's Eradication Day. Like what a, what a name for a holiday. Much of this episode involves Picard and his crew finding themselves in this nightmare version of the galaxy and figuring out what to do next without alerting others that they're not who they're supposed to be. Seven of Nine, who goes by Annika, is the president of Earth and married. Rios is, pilot, is a pilot leading this combat against the Vulcans. Elnor finds himself embedded in this rebel uh, group engaged in terrorism, and he's saved and then forced to be arrested by Rafi, who's one of the guards, like a captain on the guard or something. Agnes is in this lab with a more sophisticated electronic pet than she's had in the past. I mean, it's just all turned upside down. Now, we do find out this Eradication Day is dedicated to killing the last of the Borg, a Borg queen who, when she comes out, recognizes them all for who they originally are or were, maybe. The Borg queen identifies that there is a break in time. And Seven explains that the Borg queen has this trans-temporal awareness and can see shadows of other versions of themselves. So they just they figure out that there's some sort of a divergence in time, and Picard blames Q, of course. Well, I mean, maybe it is Q's fault. Who knows? But the, the Borg Queen helps them and figures out, um, through her trans-temporal awareness, that the divergence happened in 2024 on Earth in Los Angeles. She also says there's a Watcher there to help, to seek the Watcher. So the group hatches this plan to basically steal the Borg Queen and use her to travel back in time to repair the divergence. Seems simple, right? <laughs> uh, not so much. When the Eradication Day ceremony begins, or just about to beam out, and the ceremony begins, Earth goes on to lockdown. There's no transportation, no communications off the planet. So what are they going to do? How are they going to pull it off? Well, Agnes reestablishes communication with Rios. Rafi disables the shields. Picard and Seven delay the execution of the Borg Queen, and they, they manage to pull it off just barely, but in the process... Because they were taking so much time, Picard has to tip his hand and starts to shoot some of the guards, making himself and his crew these horrible traitors on this planet. So there they are. They're all about to get away when La Serena, the ship, is disabled. 
Seven's husband beams aboard and shoots Elnor. He's like laying on the ground dying. Two additional guards beam aboard and hold them all at phaser point. And now they're all traitors. And that's where the that's where the episode ended. So, wow. I, I have a few questions. Like, why hasn't anyone mentioned Soji this far? Like, is she not going to be part of season two? I don't know. She wasn't a part of the the um, Stargazer event. So maybe she's not a part of this timeline. Did Q's meddling actually create a new prime universe instead of just like an alternate universe? Like what's going on there? Was it really Q who made the changes to the timeline? Who is this watcher that they're supposed to look for? And what could possibly have happened in 2024 that sent the universe or the galaxy into this dark spiral? First contract with Vulcans didn't even happen until 2063. They, they didn't have a warp capability until then. So a lot of questions to be answered. I'm super excited for the next episode. I can't wait for it to come out. It's like driving me nuts. I have to know what's going to happen next. They've done such a great job at the season of Picard so far, in my opinion. I don't know. Some people may not like it, but I love it. So my personal theory time, I, I told you that I think maybe the Borg Queen is Picard's mother. And maybe I'm way off. But I also think that maybe this dystopian galaxy was created in part because Picard didn't grow up with his mother as a guiding light because of whatever happened in 2024. Now, maybe she became a board queen. Maybe she was assimilated. Maybe, I don't know, maybe she just died. It's hard to say, but I'm hoping they fill in some, at least some of these questions in the next episode. And I have a feeling that the board queen is going to save them all um, with this, you know, the bad situation they landed in. So anyhow, if you have any suggestions, uh, any ideas, Feel free to email me, geektastic.link slash support, or you can drop me a voicemail, geektastic.link slash voicemail. Would love to hear your theories on what's going on. All right, everyone, that's it for today. Um, thank you for joining me again. If you would love to support this podcast, point your browser to geektastic.link slash support. Be sure to like and subscribe this episode, this podcast. Uh, spread the word, share it with your friends, tell strangers on the street. I don't care. Um, again, if you'd like to visit me on social media, send me an email, geektastic.link slash contact. I just gave that to you. You can see the list of podcasts at geektastic.link slash podcast. Be kind to each other, have fun, and remember to always stay geektastic. <laughs>